The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome. It's a Thursday, which means that it's time for us to give you your weekly dose of business and economics news right here on VALFM 88.1. My name is Mudio Mob, Justice Kavaza, and the time has just gone by 6 p.m. This is the Business Bus, and uh, we're going to be hosting you until about 7 p.m. And who's to say that the world of business and economics cannot be entertaining? So let me make sure you don't turn that down as we keep you entertained and informed. As I said, my name is Mudio mob justice gavaza and for today we're going to be celebrating a young person 35 years and below as we have our brand new heavy for the month of april 2018 and for today uh, we have a phenomenal young lady uh, who is leading the ch- uh, leading the charge in terms of uh, activism um, that leverages online and technological platforms so we're going to be having koketso in the building with us she is the founder of um, Mobi. So that's how our show is going to be looking for the next hour or so. We're going to be getting to know uh, a little bit about her, um, some of the causes that she is championing, um, the foundations uh, that she has done work for. She's also been a fellow for a number of uh, prestigious uh, foundations around the world and is currently um, chairing, as I said earlier, on Mobi and has a number of other business interests. So we're going to be hearing from her um, how that journey has been some of the things that drive her and why she does what she does also coming up for the next hour on the other side of this we're going to be getting into our business wrap that's a part of the show where we give you your weekly roundup of business and economics news and this week we have uh, our financial expert that's ken swettenham and then on the other side of that we get into our buffalo index that's a part of the show where we let you know what the state of your 100 rand is for this week uh just a reminder that you can keep in touch with us join in the conversation let us what you know about our brand new heavy for this month um, on Facebook, we have our FM, that's of our uh, voice of vids, and we are the business buzz. We have our own Facebook page as well. And then on Twitter, we are at VowFM. Our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. And then on WhatsApp, that's 0840784912. And then you can also stream the station live. That's VowFM.co.za. Remember as well that podcasts of the Business Buzz Show are available on vits.journalism.co.za. And definitely make sure you go and check out the rest of our other shows because we always post um, the next day. So that's how our show is looking. Make sure you don't turn that down. We're here until 7 p.m. So make sure you don't, uh, you know, wander off too much. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this, we get into our business wrap. Keep it locked. This is 88.1. Business wrap with Ken Sweatman. It's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by our financial expert. That's Ken Sweatman. How are you, Ken? I'm very well this evening, and yourself? I'm fine, thank you. Um, in terms of our economy, the money, and all of that stuff, uh, well, what uh, is going on this week, and what should South Africans be paying attention to? Well, I suppose the biggest thing that, that was announced today is yet another fuel price increase next week, Wednesday. 49 cents for petrol, and between uh, 58 and 60 cents a litre, I understand, for diesel. So any of your listeners who have cars are going to be forking out a bit more for that. And uh, I'm afraid that is on the back of uh, a weakening rand, which has also been a feature this week. Uh, we've had 
quite a big drop in the value of the of the, both the dollar, the pound, and the euro against the rand. And of course, an increased oil price, which has gone up from around sixty-seven dollars a barrel a month ago and currently trading at seventy-three dollars twenty-one. So that's fed into our, our fuel price, and um, yes, it's going to cost us all a little bit more to fill our cars. I'm afraid. <laughs> And what are what are some of the other implications? Because I'm sure that uh, a few a few price um, rise not only impacts us as consumers, but down the line in terms of as a factor of production and costs and transport and all of that. You, you, you're quite right. It's uh, unfortunately this is a conversation we have every time the fuel price goes up. But yes, of course, it, uh, a lot of people don't have their own cars, so they're not affected by the fact that they have to put fuel in their own cars. But other forms of transport, such as buses, not not that we have many buses running at the moment due to the strike, taxis and and various other forms of transport, obviously they do have to fill their vehicles. And uh, those increased costs are often passed over to to the user of those services by by increased fares, which um, nobody likes, unfortunately. And, and also, for, on the broader scale, where we still have a lot, of, a lot of road transport in this country, transporting goods around the country. We've all seen the, these uh, trucks on the roads around Gauteng, and in fact, if you do travel around South Africa, there are those trucks on just about every road we have, and of course, it costs money to fill those trucks, and it increases the cost of transporting goods around the country, which again would be passed on to the end consumer, which invariably is you and I. So there's always this knock-on effect and this secondary increases, which which comes as a result of a fuel price increase. And, of course, it feeds into inflation. We, we are currently sitting on the lowest inflation in South Africa in nearly seven and a half years. But that trend will almost certainly change over, over the next uh, six to 12 months, I would expect. Um, is there anything else that from this week that our listeners should be paying attention to economically? Yes, uh, certainly. As I mentioned it, I touched on it just now, but we've had quite a, a, a sharpening, a sharp weakening of the rand. Now, again, that doesn't affect everybody. It's not going to change matters overnight for people, for most people. Um, but yeah, we were, we had a rand trading against US dollar about two weeks ago at around 11 rand 90, and it's currently trading at 12 rand 44. That's a weakening of, of close to 5% over the last couple of weeks, and it's trading at its, at its worst levels in several months. Now, again, as I said, that one of the things that affects is the fuel price. It does affect any other imported goods that you might buy. And I think of things like ink for your printers. Uh, most of that, if you're buying original cartridges, are imported, and it tends to affect prices of, of that sort of thing. Imported magazines, clothing, anything you buy which is made overseas could be affected by the cost. And on the flip side, if, if you, your listeners are planning to travel out of the country any time in the near future, it's going to cost them a little bit more to buy their foreign currency. On the positive side, though, the, the JSC has a large, it's very resource-driven, and a weakening currency tends to be good for our resource stocks, uh, as, as are all priced in dollars. And uh, indeed, the resource market went up just under half a percent today, and the all share index went up 0.8%. So the, the weakening rent is feeding into uh, a slight improvement on, on, on equities. <laughs> Um, is it not true to just say, um, as we end off very quickly, that um, a weakening of the rand is sort of more beneficial for um, people that are trading internationally or have an international interest as they're able to either sell their goods um, for cheaper prices on the international market, uh, whereas for the local person, it might not be the best news? Yes, there is an argument to that effect. You've got to remember, anybody who 
is manufacturing goods, which is being priced in dollars, and they've got to pay in rands. They're now paying more in rands for those particular goods. Uh, well, one area where a weakening rand is good for South Africa tends to be uh, tourism. People coming into the country from uh, Europe or America or, or any other part of the world who are converting their currency to rand actually get more, more rand for, for their dollar or their pound or their euro. And it does make South Africa, and South Africa has in fact always been a fairly cheap destination for overseas tourists. And, and we do get them. We, we, if, if particularly in places like Cape Town, there's literally busloads of American tourists who are here <laughs> on a regular basis. So, so, the, so the weakening rand is certainly good for our tourism industry as people come in with foreign currency. So yes, yeah, so there, there's pros and cons, and, and some of us uh, don't like a weak rand, and others do like a weak rand, depending on, on exactly what, what type of business you're in. Huh? Thank you so much, Ken. That was us on the line with our financial expert, uh, Ken Swettenham, giving us a roundup of the week's uh, business and economics news. On the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our Buffalo Index as a part of the show where we tell you the state of your 100 rand. Keep it locked. This is FM. Justice on the business bus. Good evening. As I said, we're back right here on the business bus. It's time for us uh, to get into our Buffalo Index. Uh, that's the part of the show where we tell you the state of your 100 rand. And uh, for tonight, we have a, quite an interesting one. And I'm joined in studio by my uh, one of my producers, Atlingiwa. How are you, Atlingiwa? I'm good, thanks, Madiwa. How are you doing today? Ah, no, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. So, what does my Buffalo look like today? Okay, awesome. Greetings to you and all our listeners. So, in anticipation for celebrating Freedom Day tomorrow, oh. which, as we know, commemorates the first post-apartheid um, elections in 1994, oh. today's Buffalo is centered very much around activism. Okay. Okay? And then we focus on two platforms yeah. that are used by activists. Okay. The first being books and the second being social media. Okay. So platforms in which they use to share their knowledge. Yeah. And you know, they say knowledge is power. Uh-huh. But more than that, I believe knowledge is the vehicle through which change is brought about. All right. So we focus on four books. Yeah. The first being the first being by Steve Biko, who's a scholar of black consciousness. And he's in his book, I Write What I Like, is really um, a compilation of his writings from 1969 to 1972, mm. which is when he was abolished from um, publishing further. And yeah. that costs 526 rand, which is 5.26 buffaloes. Really? Yes. Okay. And the second one is The Hate You Give, which is an award-winning adult novel by Angie Thomas. And this focuses on um, activism that she witnesses after a police shooting of her unnamed friend. Oh, okay. And this costs um, 1.3 buffaloes, and, um, which is much cheaper than the first okay, one. Yeah, but it's yeah. a different story altogether. It's more what I was expecting. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, you know, activism books, so there's different thoughts and they have different costs. Yeah. So, and then the third one is Women Activism in South Africa, which provides you know, a comprehensive collection of women's experiences within civil society. Yeah. And that was since 1994. And um, this book focuses on the experiences of a number of women, and it costs 2.4 buffaloes. And then the last but not least is one of the most celebrated activists um, to have graced um, the face of the earth, and that is Mama Winnie Madigizela Mandela. And her book, which is called 491 Days. And, you know, she really just shares, obviously, her experiences um, in, in her book, and that costs 100 and 
144 rand, which is 1.4 buffaloes. Okay. Okay, which brings us to our last point for today's buffalo, which is the platform um, of social media. Yeah. And uh, social media has really just revolutionized um, the way in which we communicate. And it's a great platform for activists. So they can use Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, whatever suits them best. And although the costs are not quite direct, there are indirect costs like data um, as well as marketing. So if you want to get yourself one gig of of data, you can get that for (laughs) uh, 99 rands at Telcom as well as Vodacom. Yeah. And that's 0.99 buffaloes. And last but not least, in terms of marketing, um, you can spend a bu- buffalo on advertising on Facebook and Twitter and such. And that'll be for a predetermined um, amount or audience. Okay, cool. Awesome. So that's uh, the state of our uh, the state of our buffalo uh, on the buffalo index. As you heard, there, if you if you want to get into some literature, yes, uh, around, around activism, it's gonna cost you. A Just a few, bu- a few buffaloes. Except if you're looking for the Steve Beagle Ab- book. Absolutely. I, I was a bit shook by that. <laughs> <laughs> they say knowledge is power. Knowledge, knowledge is, power. is power. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's it in terms of our Buffalo Index for this week. As you heard, if you want to um, subscribe to some literature around the issue of uh, activism, it's going to cost you, you know, roughly roughly in the 100, 200 rand, just depending on which author you're looking for. If you're looking for a Steve Beagle, that seems to be premium content and that premium content is coming at a premium price of about 500 rand so that's it in terms of that on the other side of this we get into our brand new heavy for the month of april keep it locked this is the business buzz Justice on the business bus. Remember that you can join in the conversation uh, by going on social media on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vits, and we are also the business bus. We have our own Facebook page there. On Twitter, we are at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business bus. Remember that podcasts of the business bus show are always available on vits.journalism.co.za. So for this week, uh, as I said earlier on, uh, we're having our brand new heavy for the month of uh, April 2018 and because it's a Freedom Day tomorrow, we thought that we would take time to celebrate uh, someone who is... um, who's actually spent a number of years in civic activism fighting for what she believes in. So in studio, we are pleased to have uh, Koketsu Mweti with us, who is uh, the founding executive director of Amantla.mobi. Um, she has a movement and a community of over 200,000 people, uh, which uses cell phone technology to garner support um, for causes. And she is also one of the first round of Obama Foundation Fellows and last year was an Aspen Institute New Voices Fellow. On top of all of this, she is the Deputy Chairperson of SOS Coalition, which campaigns for public broadcasting in the public interest. Uh, she is also a writer and has been published by Al Jazeera, The Guardian, City Press, um, Africa as a Country, and The Mail and Guardian, amongst others. How are you, Koketo? I'm alive in your <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I'm well, I'm good. Um, perhaps as we get into our conversation for tonight, uh, could you just tell us uh, very briefly who is um, Koketso and at what point um, did you decide that championing causes for, other, for the greater good was what you're going to um, dedicate your life to? 
Um, so I think in terms of who I am, it's a really boring story. <laughs> yeah, I am the most boring person on the face of the earth. Um, in terms of um, championing causes, I think there is no such thing as um, championing causes, right? Because mm. we tend to act because things affect us. Yeah. So generally, the typical lifespan of a black child is that you are not allowed, allowed childhood. Mm. You are allowed, you are given a space in which you are in a dilapidated school and you are seeing your peer die in a pit latrine and then you have to do something or you know it just keeps moving on and mm. on and on like that um we we'll remember pretoria girls high school where there was an issue of hair and yeah. school code of conduct and it's like once again black children not allowed to just be kids mm. so i think it's just an accident of history that i find myself where i am being born in a certain body at a certain in a certain space in history yeah. has naturally unfolded certain things from my path, I think. Can you sort of point to maybe one experience that sort of the way you actually said, okay, uh, because a lot of the time, as you said, uh, people find themselves in a lot of these circumstances. And in some cases, people choose to act, others choose not to. Some people think that... Um, acting is they won't achieve anything or they can't achieve anything so at one point did you say no enough is enough i think i can actually make some change so i think it's quite a historical thing um i grew up watching a mother who was very politically inclined i come from a family that was very politically inclined you know mm. and yeah you know you hear the mother and the comrades who are busy <laughs> talking and you know, you get a sense of, you know, people, urgency, collective action, you yeah. know. Um, and then you grow up and you enter a democratic South Africa in which some of the people who were considered comrades at some point are the very same people inflicting certain pains. Mm. So my community, for example, was going to be evicted off a certain piece of land in the Northwest province, yeah. you know. Knowing the history of force removals in this country, you would have expected that. That is unthinkable. But that is something so many people go through all the time in this country. Mm. And it was just at that point that it was actually like, no, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah. This can't happen. Uh, so tomorrow is Freedom Day, uh, as we said just before we started this segment. What does Freedom Day mean to you, especially given the work that you do? And our core listener base is young people. What do you think is um, the role of young people in terms of uh, trying to get some change in our society? So I think freedom, freedom means so many things to me. It's a dear word. It's a dear word that has become very abused in this country of ours, you know. I can tell you, it is so easy for me to tell you what freedom isn't than it is to t for me to tell you what freedom is. Yeah. I can rest assured, freedom is not 144 patients moving because an uncaring government has removed them from a mental health institution that was providing them with certain services and dumping into NGOs that mm. do not have the means to. Freedom is not people being massacred for fighting for a living wage. Freedom is not people having right now in court, we have had Olobeni in court fighting for the right to say no to mining. Um, this country asserts itself as a participatory democracy. It is unthinkable that for a country that asserts itself to be this way. We have people who are fighting to be consulted on their right 
to talk and be consulted in decision-making processes that are affecting their lives. That is not freedom. Mm. So when I think about freedom, I think about things that are not yet. I think about liberation, complete liberation, where we have... um, It doesn't matter who you are, what kind of a household you are coming from. It does not determine what you can be. Mm. Yeah. Um, When I think about liberation, it does not matter what job you are working. You do not have to be a CEO earning a certain amount, living in a certain area, which will allow you to access certain services. Mm. It does not mean that um, you have to be anything other than what you are to be seen, regarded, treated Mm. as a human being who deserves a basic dignified life, to eat every day, to live, to just be, to not be a black child who is forced to fighting things that have been done by adults that are outside of your own control. Mm. Yeah. So the role of young people in terms of change, what is, what is it? You've just come from um, talking about how you don't have to be in a position of power um, for you to be, you know, making making a change. And I think uh, in a lot of African countries, I'm from Zimbabwe, and we have this thing where um, as young people, sometimes you don't feel like you have the power to actually make that change, you know. And you there's a lot of emphasis that's put on older generations, that they're the ones in positions of authority and all of that stuff. So what's the role of young people in actually um, garnering movements and actually making a change so i think number one is stepping away from the idea that it is the i um it is you as an individual who can do anything it is very important for you as an individual to practice and live your politics on a regular basis um if you are talking check yourself we all have our biases we Mm. all have our problems and it we are all always a process in the making you know we are always becoming so thinking of ourselves in that way but beyond that stepping outside of the eye it is thinking about what is my place in the we Mm. you know in terms of the chain of change if you think about it as a chain there's all these cogs that work together to move the chain and what is my place in it what skills do i have to offer what do i bring to the table what am i willing to put at risk and sacrifice mm. because ultimately in a country as unequal as ours fundamentally any moment in which we are comfortable comes at the expense of someone else Mm. Mm. so what are you willing to do to move outside of your comfort zone and how are you willing to offer it in part of a collective Mm. i think that is the key thing um finding ways in which we can build move and hold together collectives of people working together to take coordinated targeted actions at given moments is key Mm. Continuing the conversation because you're now talking about uh, bringing together people, um, stepping away from the I and entering into the we. We spoke just now when I was introducing you that you've been able to garner a community of over 200,000 people on the Amatle.mobi platform. For those that have not heard about it, what is Amatle.mobi and how does it actually work in terms of actually turning those cogs and actually making things happen. 
So, Amandla Dotmobe is a community of people who are working to turn every cell phone into a democracy building tool. Um, we believe that those most affected by injustice, which is South Africa's black majority, in particular black women from low-income communities, mm. should be able to take action on issues affecting our lives. And the way it works in practice is that um, we come together at strategic moments to take targeted, coordinated action. So, um, just to give you a sense, it's we because we are a mobile, multilingual driven organization we have an online platform we use WhatsApp, we use SMS we use missed calls and please call me mm. and USSD as well, the short codes like mm. if you were reloading your airtime um, because we believe in meeting people where they are. Yeah. So South Africa is a country of many divisions, you know class, racial and we just have so many walls between us. One of the one things we do actually have in common is the ability to access a mobile device yeah. and that's why mobile became our thing um, in terms of the turn towards multilingual it was also just that um, one of the biggest barriers for people using the internet is actually um, English literacy you know um, a lot of content that's put up there is only in English, English yeah. and this is English is a minority language in this country actually yeah. Um, yeah, so essentially what we do is in every campaign there is a decision maker and there is a decision that the decision maker can take that will have real world impact. Mm. So we are always looking for those opportunities that here's a moment, here's a decision a decision maker can take. What can we collectively do to put pressure on them? You know, sometimes it involves just um, adding your name, you know, and the decision maker caves, but at times that's not enough. Do we have everybody who joined a particular action take a deeper action and say you know directly contact this decision maker and say no you are not having it this is unacceptable mm. you know or take decision xyz um sometimes we'd have things like people are going door to door in different communities talking about the issue and telling people why it's important why it matters and why they should join different actions sometimes it's saying that um people the families of life is it many patients are having a protest in mm. front of the MEC's office let us go there in solidarity because we know that it is a public institution um, and it is mainly the black population that is dependent on public institutions so let us do that let us take some kind of action let us show solidarity let's build community and show that collectively we can put pressure on people to make them act in certain ways now this is a business show so I know that some of our listeners might be now asking themselves, how do you guys actually um, fund um, the activities and the campaigns that you do? And also, you've alluded to the fact that South Africa, given um, the inequality, um, given the struggle of being black and all of that stuff, there are a lot of struggles that are faced by South Africans. So the other question then becomes, how do you guys choose what to actually campaign on, what to prioritize and all of that. Mm. Mm. So I think one of the key key things for us is we almost have a campaign criteria and the number one question is how does this affect a black life? Mm. If you are a black woman with no income or on a low income, mm. how is this affecting this person? Okay. Yeah, that's number one. But we also have a platform called Aware2.mobi where members of the pub public and organizations can set up their own campaigns which mm. we do support. Um, so this allows us to be not about us and we're quite a small team we're only four people 
So we would not always be able to hold it together, you know. So we have a community. There are individuals who can take action and organizations as well. And we're saying that um, anybody can build up a collective and Mm -hmm. will support you in doing that. Um, In terms of how we are funded, we have, um, we are quite clear that... Our mandate, we are very, we guard our independence very, very jealously. So we go for institutional donors who are very values aligned. Um, We do not deal with racists. We do not deal with people who are anti some of what our core values are Mm. um, and people who are going to interfere with what our core values are, you Mm. know. So if you are going to interfere in us taking action on a particular issue, we are not interested in your money. But we also have people, our members, who give um, money. Um, This is uh, donations that are made to us, sometimes for very specific actions, for very specific targeted actions, like during the Data Must Fall campaign. When we had the public hearings, people gave money so that we could take people to the hearings. Mm. There were people who, when we were taking adverts out against advertisers on the SABC during the censorship (laughs) phase, gave money so that we could do that. So, But then there's people who gave core funding, like, this is an organization I believe in and want to be a part of. And Mm. yeah, I'm giving you my money to use because I believe that as an organization that has a commitment to using donors' money well and doing the work that you do, here. So we're in studio of uh, uh, right now when it's the business bus. We're here until about 7 p.m. We're joined in studio by Koketsu Mweti, who is an activist taking uh, the digital revolution and using it to actually uh, cause change in our society. We're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side of that, we're going to continue with our conversation. Keep it locked. This is 88.1. You're tuned in to the business bus. It is the 26th of April 2018, which means it's the last Thursday. We have our brand new heavy for the month of April. Uh, we are joined by Koketsu Moeti, who is um, an activist using uh, the digital revolution to cause change in our society. So we actually wanted to understand from um, our listeners, what do you actually know and understand of online activism or digital activism? Whatever words you want to use, using uh, technology as an instrument of change. What do you understand from that? And this is what some of you had to say. Um, so what do I think of online petitions? I really think they're a waste of time. They've, they're such a white people thing. I've done a few and I'm quite annoyed because they send me emails all the time of announcements. Because uh, they're always sending me about rhinos and all the white people-ish that I could not be bothered about. I really don't think they're effective. Um, they're an American style of protesting um, in South African politics and South African issues. Um, you really need way more than just signing some online petition. I mean, who removed Zuma using online nonsense? No. Um, I think Twitter is actually even more powerful than online because at the moment, um, I know with ANC, they really take Twitter seriously and whatnot. So social media has, um, what, a stronger voice than those petitions? Because where do they go? Like, I mean... Hi, my name is Reba. And my views on online petitions, I think they're very powerful. I think it's a great platform considering the changing times that we're in. Everything is digitally based. Um, I think it's important that we do consider that um, 
there's a vast majority of South Africans basically that are not a part of the digital platform. So that actually excludes them. Hi, my name is Rahima Ranciadi and I'm studying accounting science. Um, I think online petitions are a good idea and because they, they reach a broader spectrum of people and it's, it's more influential. Okay, so my take on online petitions is, yeah, they work sometimes, but they kind of give people that full sense of action that, you know, you think you are doing something, but you're not doing anything. Because sometimes you feel, okay, fine, if I see a petition on, let's say, child abuse or, let's say, slavery, it's easy for me to say um, I'm taking action. But most of those times, there are people that you see that are maybe beggars in the street or whatever, but I can, it's easy for me to sign an online petition, yet on the ground I'm not doing anything. So, I think the youth of today, yes, we are, we are all immersed in this technology, but we're not doing anything concrete on the ground. So I think in as much as we can, you know, praise social media, whatever, yes, it gets issues across, but what's more important is the action. So I think that's my take, that's my view. My name is Sakia Musetha, student at Vets University. Um, my view on online petitions uh, is that they would be the most kind of uh, effective uh, kind of petitions because they will be more accessible for people and it would be easier for one to access them unlike having to go to like uh, a police station or a municipal outlet whereby you know you need transport money and stuff so i think it would be more accessible to people and uh, generally because uh, a lot of people nowadays are you know exposed to social media so they are always on internet they know the, uh, how to use internet and stuff like that so i think it would be more it, it's going to be compatible with the kind of uh, media that uh, people are going to be using in the future um so what i think of petitions or online petitions rather is that they are pretty useless for lack of a better word um i think that we sign petitions online and like no one sees what happens to those petitions so really you do it to make yourself feel better more than anything because you really don't know what ends up um happening to those things um the most effective way i think would be striking it's not it's not the most yeah it's not the greatest way to to get your points across, but it's the most effective because then people hear you. The media is all over the news and, and, and. Whereas, like, we could even sign a petition on paper and send it to the mayor. You could always just, like, throw it away, you know? So, yeah, striking. People should strike, but peacefully. <laughs> So some interesting thoughts coming through from our listeners and I think it's quite, uh, it was very yes, no, no, yes um, type of thing. So I'm just going to ask Koketso just to comment on some of uh, some of the thoughts that were expressed by our young listeners and also just pose the question, do you feel that uh, our listeners actually understand what what like the work that you do do you think they actually understand um the actual power of uh using technology as a way to to get change going or is there a perception gap that needs to be filled so i think there's a deep political gap um i'd by far argue that your politics are lived so it doesn't matter whether you're in the online space or you're offline or mm. whatever it's your politics yeah. you know so um I, I see 
none of these things as you can be an activist online and offline you are a crap person. <laughs> no, it's not like this binary that, you know, you want to make yourself look good there and then you're an awful human being in practice. So thinking about technology, the way I'd always argue is that throughout history, technology has always been used to create change. And my biggest example is when printing technology became available in South Africa during the anti-apartheid struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly you went from people who couldn't organize meetings. If you were a trade union, you can organize all of the meetings because you couldn't always get to every single working place or every single factory what did you do you started putting up posters that was a form of technology that Mm. was used for activism you know so we shouldn't see technology as something that's out there i can just drift in and out to it it's this is my politics this is what i believe in and i'm going to use everything that i have access to yeah. to drive my politics through so just to give an example today we had a big win um ICASA um, gave service charter regulations around um, data costs and mm. how, you know, network providers should provide the yes, service. Please, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, number one, us as an organization, our stance on this has always been our biggest problem. There is a general data cost issue. Yeah. One of our biggest concerns is that the poor pay much more for data than the rich do in this country. Mm. Yeah. And then secondary is that because there are no principles or standards in place to protect the poor from the predatory behavior of the networks, Mm. there are certain principles and standards that should be in place. So things like if you are using, we know the practices of the poor. If you do not have money, you are buying small bundles, daily bundles Mm. to use the internet. You do not get notification when it is running out. What does it do? It moves you out of bundle. so people who are poor and using smaller bundles are much more likely to be using data out of bundle and in bundle, mm. which costs far mm. more. Mm. Yeah. So this is some of the things. To get to this point with ICASA, number one, we had tens of thousands of people who said that enough. You know, this is a problem. There was a campaign that was run and it took on the different levels. We have been doing stuff with ICASA, the Competition Commission and the networks, them targeting the networks mm. themselves. And what we saw is we had 704 people who volunteered to go door to door, you know, to tell people about the issue and why they should be taking the different actions. Mm. The signature on a petition became an entry point to keeping in touch with people and saying, hey, here's the issue. Can you help us take deeper action? So we had people who did that. We had a submission also to ICASA. Um, The submission was supported by over 30,000 people and we were one of only two non-industry players who made the submission. Would the submission have held as much weight if it wasn't done by a collective of people in the space where we are outnumbered by industry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then... There were also um, other actions like with the hearings themselves, people who gave money. So there's all of these follow-up actions that do happen. And it varies from campaign to campaign because you actually do have campaigns where just saying that, um, you know, 3,000 people say that actually this is what you should be doing does move some people. And we have instances where it doesn't. And then that's when you have to directly target the different decision makers. The Competition Commission submission on this same issue was done. Also, you know, the volunteers doing door-to-door but it was a submission that was built up you know through a collective of over 44,000 people that is significant so I do think it is about we need to see our spaces as um, what am I doing 
when I am with people, yeah. how am I bringing you on to a collective? Yeah. As well as, you know, there is actually a mobile device here. I could use it in the same way that old activists use printers to say that <laughs> I'm going to print a post, I'm going to yeah. print a newspaper. We didn't call them printer activists, did we? Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is, in the political realm we are in, those who want to benefit and profit, I mean, we've all seen the Cambridge Analytica, Facebook mm. stuff that's been happening. I mean, those who want to profit from people from technology will always be there it is up to us because it is there technology is there and it's not going anywhere yeah. it is up to us to decide what are the opportunities that that technology offers us you know and are we going to make use of them yeah. or are we just going to leave it to those with more power to abuse and use as they please um in terms of the issue of rhinos i completely agree i completely <laughs> agree um and this is why if we look at a lot of um platforms they are actually not they are for profit companies that sell people's data you know, like yeah. the Rhino campaign, I remember it very well. And that was done using bought data, you know. And this is why Amanda.mobi is a completely public benefit organization. Yeah. We do not make any profit from people's data, nor do we sell it, nor do we do any of these things. Um, so I do think it is also about becoming discerning what is a profit-making entity yeah. versus what isn't, you know. What are the things that have the values you believe in? Yeah. yeah. So I want to just uh, change gears uh, because we are running out of time and just talk about the fact that uh, you have been a fellow um, for, for the Aspen Institute and you are now a fellow for the Obama Foundation. How does that actually work and how has your experience actually been in terms of either amplifying the work that you're doing or in terms of getting uh, either more donors on board or uh, getting bigger or making your campaigns bigger, touching more people and all of that? So, um, yeah, I don't, my response should not be taken as like <laughs> a holistic thing yeah. on fellowships. There are really bad fellowships yeah. out there. Yeah, so people should see what what ticks with their own values. Mm. I think the fellowships that I have been on um, have been very fortunate and discerning <laughs> <laughs> enough to see that they lay with my own values. Um, the way I think of the world is that we have rising global inequality. Yeah. We have a rise of a conservative right-wing politic. Um, it is visible all over the world. We have environmental destruction that is happening everywhere. Mm. We cannot afford to be working in national silos. We have to be connecting in strategic ways across yeah. the globe. Our collectives, so just as an example, Amanda.mobi, an issue we have worked deeply on is tax justice. Yeah. Lonman, which was involved in the Marikana massacre, is a company that was accused of shifting profits the headquarters aren't here mm. their headquarters are in london <laughs> if we are not co connecting across these national borders mm. tax justice is not an issue that is going to be resolved anytime soon yeah. so i think for me it is about that it is about um the strategic connections that you are able to make okay. moving out of your national silos but also the ability to learn what are the mistakes and what are the good things that people are doing out there that we can learn from you know and shift it for our own context and make of it what we will but there is still learning to be done out there so i think it is about that um strategic thinking strategic placing strategic tactful strategicness you know yeah. um and 
yeah just how we think about our world yeah black people do not exist just in south africa we exist across the world we exist on this continent we have a very because of our colonial history Mm. we have a very particular relationship with other parts of the world you know yeah what what are the means that we can put pressure to make right Mm -hmm. the wrongs of the past um, we're not going to be doing it from within national borders, I can tell you that. <laughs> so you have to be strategic. Okay, last two questions. This is uh, something that we ask all our brand new heavies. Um, firstly, what are you reading at the moment? And then lastly, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, so um, that is that is very interesting questions. So at any given time, I am reading like a ton of reports and submissions oh, wow. like at any given time yeah. so there's always a lot of reading to get through but a book i have just finished um so a friend colleague comrade of mine mm. was like just concerned that i'm not spreading my reading wings very openly <laughs> and she introduced me to the middle east okay and there was a particular writer khalid husseini mm. um who yeah i just loved the book i read mm. and then i recently got another one which is called the kite runner mm. and when i read it i was on a flight so i'm one of those weird people who sleeps on a flight it doesn't matter if it's one hour or 24 hours <laughs> or 48. i cannot stay awake on a flight. Yeah. those chairs are just so comfortable and i could i could not put this book down and i cried you know i just looked like this idiot who was ugly crying on this <laughs> flight but yeah that was that was the book that i was reading and wow it is heavy it so is you said kali Khaled Hussein. Khaled Hussein. Yeah. Okay. Um it's it's a very very beautiful book. Um yeah. And then yeah there's all the reports and whatnot and whatnot that I am also still reading. Um in terms of what I want the legacy to be, I think that um one of the big things you know like I am not Goketso because I am some individual from where where I stand on the shoulders of so many amazing black women, mm. you know. I think about Sipokazim Tati, Vuiseka Dubola, um, Prague's Governor, Nomalanga Mkise. There is a whole line of women who I can name and say that I am here because they are, because they were, you know. Mm. Um, so I want to be remembered in the context of, of those there has mm. been collectives throughout history who in their spaces doing what they can do you know whether it is finding yourself in a situation where things are bad Mm. but you are still able to share the little water that you have with your neighbor next door look after your neighbor's kids so your neighbor can go find work um that kind of child caring that kind of communal experience i want to be seen as part of a collective i want to be remembered as part of a collective i want to be remembered as somebody who always recognized that I am because so many others were. Yeah. I like that. So that brings us to the end of the show. We're just going to take a quick break and then I'll be back with some final thoughts. This is 88.1. The, the Business Stars. 
That brings us to the end of our show. That was our brand new heavy for the month of April 2018. Remember that uh, every last Thursday of each month, we celebrate a person in South Africa um, who is doing um, something in their industry to actually move the needle forward. And we're happy and we had the pleasure of being in studio with Koketsu Mweti with us. She is the founder of Amantla.mobi. She is a fellow with the Obama Foundation. And she is using technology as a way to move the needle forward in terms of social justice. Um, just some final thoughts for me. Um, in the discussion that I've just come from having with Koketso, uh, one of the two, I think there are two big points um, that I'm going to take away. I hope that everyone has their own takeaways. But for me, the first thing is just the fact that, you know, sometimes we see um, a lot of things going on in our lives. And and it might not even have to be uh, a big thing that affects everyone. It can even just be on a personal level because a lot of the time um, we don't change our circumstances just simply because we don't take action in our own lives. And if we're not taking action in our own lives, then how do we then expect um, to then make change for the greater good when it affects more than just us and it affects our communities, our regions, our provinces and our countries as a whole? So one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation is that you just need to take action in your own space in uh, using whatever tools you can. Um, the second takeaway is just the the fact that she sounds uh, the thinking that I'm that I'm getting from Koketso is that. There's a lot of injustice in the world and there are a lot of tools that are in front of us. She's chosen to use technology because um, at the moment, if you are in South Africa, some people have two, three phones um, out there and everyone, if you're walking down the street, has a phone. Why not? Why don't we make use of this thing that everyone has access to as an instrument of change? Um, she spoke about the fact that um, you need to be strategic about your alignments and your connections. And that's, uh, that's in the same way that some of these, uh, she, she used the example of Lonman, um, that they operate in South Africa, but their headquarters is in London. Um, you are not going to make a shift dealing with uh, such an entity if you focus just on South Africa. You also need to have a presence in London as well, just as Lonman does. And in the same way, you uh, use whatever tools you have to build those strategic connections and actually move the needle forward. So uh, I was actually quite inspired. So thank you so much to Kokeso for coming to studio with us. So that brings us to the end of the show. Remember that you can continue the conversation. Um, tell us what you think think are you doing anything um, in your own community in your own space uh, to actually bring about some type of social justice on facebook we are vow fm that's voice of Vits, and then we are the business buzz we have our own facebook page on twitter we are at vow fm um hashtag the uh, hashtag business bus and then you can find us on whatsapp that's 0840784912 you can also stream the station live that's vowfm.co.za and remember that podcasts of the business buzz show will be available and are available on vis.journalism.co.za So with that, we come to the end of the show. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, Elmer Schutz, with our production team made up of Tlingi Wazondo and Lerato Mapella. And then our technical production is done by Kutlo.
Tuano Serame. From me, Mudewa Mob Justice Kawaza and the rest of the team, it's good evening and take care. On the other side of this, don't turn that dial as we have life beats. Keep it locked. This is 88.1. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Power FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.